the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the Bible with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez. Today, as we continue with our study in the book of Judges, we see Samson rebelling against both God and his parents because he wants what he wants, and he wants it now. We'll pick it up in Judges chapter 13, verse 24. The title of the message is, A Vessel of Dishonor. Judges chapter 13. Judges chapter 13. You may have heard the phrase, God loves you and he has a good plan for your life, a great plan for your life, awesome plan for your life. And that is so true. God loves you and he does have a plan for your life, a good one. And that will always be true. But equally true is that the enemy hates you and he wants to destroy your life. And how your life turns out isn't on whether God has a good plan for you or not. It's on whether you will trust the Lord or what the enemy wants you to do is to trust yourself. Now, when we talk about that, a lot of times people think of it in the terms of salvation. But that concept of trusting the Lord and his plan for my life or trusting myself and listening to the temptation of the enemy isn't just about heaven and hell. Like Jephthah, Samson is a believer. But as Jephthah missed out on a lot of things in his life, Samson's life, which starts with so much promise, with such a good plan from God, becomes an absolute train wreck. And because he disregarded the Lord and chased what he wanted, the enemy had his way with Samson. So as we begin to look at the start of that train wreck tonight, Let Samson's failure to be a vessel of honor, even though he's saved, let it be a warning that moves us to heed Paul's exhortation to Timothy, to purge ourselves of those dishonorable things that we would be a vessel of honor to the Lord. So chapter 13, we begin in verse 24 with the birth of Samson. It says, and the woman bare a son. We don't know her name. We just know that Manoah was his father. The woman bare a son and called his name Samson. It means brave one or daring one. And the child grew and the Lord blessed him. So Samson is born and all we know about his childhood is that he grew up. He grew up to an adult and the Lord blessed him. The Lord gave him divine favor. Now, what does that mean that the Lord gave him divine favor? I don't know. Obviously, it seems to have something to do with the calling that Samson had in his life to be the deliverer of Israel from the Philistines. But 
We don't know if this divine favor was on him as a child or it just came when he was an adult. I didn't know if Samson always had superhuman strength. My guess is not. My guess is from what we will garner in the text today is that Samson didn't even walk around normally like a guy with super strength. Like usually if you see a movie that has Samson in it, he's usually this big, huge, strong guy. There's no indication in scripture that that's the case because people are always trying to take him on. I don't know about you, but like, for example, uh, husbands will understand this, okay? Have you ever been in the vehicle and you're driving or not driving, doesn't matter, and someone pulls up alongside you and either they got really loud music or they're being kind of rude or they cut you off. And my wife never does this, of course, but I'm sure yours does. Your beloved bride all of a sudden just lays into it with, I've got kids back here, turn down the foul music or something. My first thing is I'm looking over and I'm looking to see how big is he? That's the very first thing I'm thinking because I know they're not coming after her. (laughs) They're coming after me. And now if he's small, I might chime in and be like, yeah. If he's not, I'm like waiting for the light to turn green. So the idea is if Samson's the big guy, no one's going to be trying to take him on. So I personally don't think Samson walked around with this superhuman strength all the time. I believe God's favor rested upon him and, and the strength came upon him when he needed it. That's my personal thought. I don't know if that's exactly how it worked. But the point here that God's divine favor rested upon him is it shows us that God kept his promise to Samson's parents. God kept his promise. God had told them that he would be special, that he would be the deliverer. And indeed, God is raising him up to be that. And when Samson becomes an adult, God begins to lead him into this role of being a deliverer. Look at verse 25. And the spirit of the Lord began to move him, Samson, at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtel. Now, this can be a little confusing because the phrase there, at times, that is not in the original text. So there's no reason to think that this is like a saying that there were times when God came upon him and he did mighty things that, we, that aren't recorded here. That's not it at all. It says, the Spirit of the Lord began to move him in the camp of Dan. And then it tells us where the camp of Dan is. It's between Zorah and Eshtel. Now, the camp of Dan is a place called Mahanadan. It's farther west from where Samson's parents lived and likely where he grew up. It's right on the edge of the valley. So it's overlooking the valley that led to Philistine-controlled lands, Eshtel there. And so that's where Samson is, for whatever reason, we don't know why, but he lives here for a bit. And while he's here living here for a bit, God does something. The Spirit of the Lord began to move him. Now, what's interesting about Samson's life is it records that God's Spirit was working in his life more than any other judge of Israel, more than any of them. Now, whether or not God's Spirit actually worked more in his life than others doesn't matter. The point that the text is giving to us, the point that the writer of Judges is making to us, is that God's Spirit gave Samson everything he needed to succeed at his calling. Everything he needed. There's never a time when Samson is in need of the Lord to give him something that the Spirit of the Lord isn't there to help him. The only time is, of course, when Samson at the end tells Delilah about his hair, that that's the source of his strength. And we'll explain that when we get to that point, why God did let happen at that point what happened. But every other time, the Spirit of the Lord was there. Every time. 
showing us again that Samson was given everything by God to succeed at his calling. So the Spirit of the Lord was constantly at work in his life. But here specifically, it says that God's Spirit began to move him. Now, the phrase there, to move, it means either to bestow a benefit or it could mean to stir someone to take action. So either here God begins to divinely empower him to be this leader of Israel, or God begins to stir him to become the leader of Israel. Either way, the point is, is that God is beginning to call him to this role of deliverer. Now, what's interesting is this word move is a unique word. It is also used for when Pharaoh and Nebuchadnezzar received supernatural dreams from God. So does God kind of start telling Samson it's time to step up? It's time to be the leader through a dream? I don't know. I have no clue. Samson had to already know that he was special because of the restrictions of his Nazarite vow. Because surely, eventually, Samson got to the point, he goes, when all the other kids can have raisins at lunch at school, why can't I? You know, when everybody else can eat grapes at the fruit bowl, how come I can't? How come, you know, <laughs> when everybody else is looking slick for prom, why do I look like a caveman? The point is, is that in his childhood, at some point, he would know that he was special. So is it possible at this point in his life that even though he knows his call, that his whole life is dedicated to this thing, to be a deliverer of Israel, that he's not doing anything with it? And now that God tries to move him through dreams, I don't know. But what I do know is this, is that when you contrast Samson's life with Jephthah, they are the exact opposite. Look at it. Samson had godly parents who loved him greatly, right? Loved him greatly. Jephthah was the product of a one-night stand, and his family disowned him. Samson was uniquely dedicated to God. He knew from his birth that he was uniquely dedicated to God. Jephthah was bullied his entire life and chased to the forest reaches of Israeli lands. Samson's birth was predicted by an angel. No one thought Jephthah was special until he was the last person they could turn to. What's my point? Because again, What's going to follow in the next three chapters is such a stark contrast to all the advantages Samson had. It is truly a tragedy because Samson had everything that anyone could ask for if they needed to succeed at a task. But he rejected all of it for most of his life. And that rejection starts in the very next verse, in the first verse of chapter 14. It says in 14, verse 1, And Samson went down to Timnath, and he saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me to wife. Well, then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all of your people that you go to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleases me well. Samson, it says, he went down to Timnath. And any time you're going to go 
to the Philistine area, you're going to go down in elevation. The tribe of Dan had been driven into the hills that are just west of Ephraim and Judah and Benjamin. And that's where most of them are crammed into right now. So if you're going to go down to the land of the Philistines, you're literally going to go down in elevation. Timnath was a city that had been originally assigned to Dan on the southern border with Judah. It was currently in possession of the Philistines, about four miles southwest of Samson's home. Now, the fact that he goes to Timnath shows us that the Israelis were free to move around and, as we'll see in a moment, even intermarry with the Philistines during their occupation. So even though the Philistines are ruling over Israel and oppressing them, they did have the freedom to move around. It wasn't like the Ammonites who were constantly killing people left and right. And they were allowed to interact with the Philistines. And so when he goes down there, it says that he saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. I don't know if that saw in the way like you might see somebody like they used to say back in the 60s or 70s. You know, are you seeing her? I don't know if it means he just laid eyes upon her and thought she's pretty. I'm going to go ask my parents to get her for my wife. I don't know what it means that he saw her. But the point being is that he was driven by what he saw in a sense. And then he came up, verse 2, and told his father and mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. Now, again, coming up, because he had to come back up in elevation because the Philistines lived in the valley. And he comes to his, his folks' house and he says, I've seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Therefore, get her for me. What's the therefore? Lust of the eyes. The only thing that factored into his decision for why he wanted to marry her was because he saw her, the lust of the eyes. Now, again, I don't just mean that he thought she was pretty or he liked her, you know, the way she dressed. That, that's not the point here. But he was drawn after what he saw, drawn after what the desires of the eyes said he would get if he got her as a wife. God's people are not to make decisions that way. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, it tells us exactly this. It says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. These are two polar opposites. The things that the world craves and desires, how it operates, how it makes choices, and what it puts value on is exactly opposite of what God puts value on and how he makes choices. And then explains to us why this is. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it originates from the world. This is how mankind operates without the Lord. We go after what our flesh craves, what our eyes think is desirable, and the pride of life, what makes us feel good and makes us feel important, makes us feel special. But none of that is from God. Like God doesn't teach us to live life that way. God doesn't operate that way. That comes from this, our fallen world. And that world, it's passing away and all of its desires. That is not gonna last. But he that does the will of God abides forever. So that's our clear instruction from God about how we make decisions as Christians. Samson is not walking as a believer should walk here. Now, as you could imagine, this had to be heartbreaking for his parents. They had trained him his entire life to be set apart to the Lord. And now he wants to violate scripture 
And so in verse 3, his father and his mother speak up, and they have an objection. They ask, they say, is there never a woman, and literally what that means is, do no women exist among the daughters of your brethren? In other words, among your brethren means the tribe of Dan. You're supposed to marry inside your tribe so that all the land stays within the tribe. He, he says, do no women exist in the entire tribe of Dan that you had to go find an uncircumcised Philistine. But they even take it a step further. Or among all my people. You know, it's interesting that, you know, you can almost see, sense dad's voice here because he said, of my people. It could be mom, who knows? But the point is that one of the parents is emphasizing, you're not supposed to marry outside your tribe, but at least you could pick an Israelite. Someone who shares your value system, someone who follows your God. Do no women exist? Is that why you're asking me to get a wife for you who's an uncircumcised Philistine? Now, obviously, she's not circumcised or uncircumcised because that doesn't apply to women. But the concept of being uncircumcised has nothing to do with a physical ritual. It represented the separation of my life to God and his way of doing things. Do you remember when circumcision came about? It was when Abraham wasn't walking with the Lord, when he was doing things his own way. God had told him, promised him in Genesis chapter 15, he said, Abraham, because Genesis, Abraham was all worried. He says, Father, I, you say that I'm going to have all these blessings and everything. And he goes, yet all my stuff is going to go to my servant. I don't have any kids to pass it on to. And he was really down. And the Lord said, Abraham, that is not how it's going to play out. You will have a son and your descendants will be like the stars in the sky. And Abraham trusted God. He believed him. But then years went by, years and years went by. And not only was his wife barren, but she passed the, the point where she could have kids. And so in Genesis 16, she comes to Abraham with the idea and she says, we got to help God out. Why don't you take my concubine? We'll raise her wife status. You can sleep with her and we'll have a child through her. And that's who will get our stuff. You know, that's who will pass on God's covenant blessing to. And Abraham said, sounds like a good idea to me. And for the next, I want to say 16, 18 years, Ishmael's born during that time, of course. And for the next 16, 18 years, Abraham's really not walking with the Lord. And so when we get to Genesis 17, and the Lord comes to him and he says, Abraham, enough is enough. Walk thou perfect before me. I am the Lord your God. I'm else to die, the all-powerful God, almighty God. I can do everything. It's time for you to start walking with me again. And Abraham falls down before the Lord and he's like, Lord, you are God. I'll walk with you. And the Lord says, all right, we're going to make a change from now on. You're not going to do things your way anymore. You're going to trust me. And to show that, the example of that will be circumcision. And then, of course, he gave the promise that in one year, Sarah's going to give birth to a child and you'll call his name Isaac. So that's where circumcision came about. That's what it symbolized. And it never changed. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, when Moses was describing circumcision to the people of Israel, in verses 12 through 16, he says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord require of you? What, what does God want from you? circumcise a bunch of people. Make sure you cut off a bunch of skin off a very sensitive spot from your children. No. What does God require of you? 
but to fear the Lord your God. Love what he loves, hate what he hates. To walk in all of his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and the statutes which I command you this day for your good. For behold, the heaven and the heavens of heavens, it's the Lord your God, the earth also with all that's in it. So in other words, you can't give anything to God that's not already his. He wants your heart. He wants your love. Only the Lord had a delight in your fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them. He didn't need anything from them. It's not like he was missing out on something, but he wanted them. He wanted this relationship with them, even as you above all people as it is this day. So now you're a part of that covenant. You're his people. And so what did they do? Verse 16, what does he require? Therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be no more stiff-necked. Stop being stubborn and doing things your own way. God says, I want you to turn this way. And you go, no, you know, I'm going to fight you with all my breath. I've got this figured out. Lord says, no, circumcise your heart. That's what it was always about, always about that. And so the problem with the Philistines wasn't that they didn't circumcise their boys. Certainly it's not this woman's problem. The problem with the Philistines is that their hearts weren't toward the Lord. And then mom and dad asked the question, do no women exist in all of our people that you're going to go to this unbeliever for a wife? And you know what? Their question has merit. Why do you want to marry someone who doesn't share your values? We taught you better. Samson, what's really going on here? And you know, if you have grown children who've ignored what they know the Bible says, that's always a question in your mind, isn't it? Why are you making these choices? Don't you see how God is blessed and cared for us, how he took care of us in difficult times? Don't you see how God's working in our lives? Why don't you want that? Why reject what you must know is true? Well, the Bible tells us why our kids do that. It says in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15, that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. The word bound up there is an interesting word. It means to be in league together with or to conspire with. In other words, all of our children come into the world with an enemy within. That's how you were born into this world. You were born with an enemy within. That's conspiring and in league with your flesh to keep you bound up in foolishness, to keep you there in foolishness. One of our goals as parents is to help our children move from immature impulses by shepherding their heart toward the Lord, towards good decision-making, by driving it far from them, that foolishness, by creating distance between the foolishness they're born with and their heart. So as you do that as a parent, it's gut-wrenching when you see your grown child still acting like the one that came into the world. It makes you feel like an absolute failure and absolutely powerless to stop the pain that they will experience. And if you're living that right now, know this. Adam and Eve had the perfect parent, and they still chose foolishness. They still chose foolishness. Are there things you could have done better as a parent? Surely, of course. But every individual person has to have their own relationship or lack thereof with God. And Samson, he is one of the most unspiritual people we meet in all of Scripture. 
That is his fault. That is not his mom and dad's fault. Now, if you see areas that need to be repented of concerning your parenting, then do so. But do not beat yourself up. Take your broken heart to the Lord and intercede for your child every single day. Because you know what? God is a heartbroken parent. He knows. And he certainly is close to those prayers. He hears them. And he is working on your behalf. Now, when they ask, why are you doing this? What was Samson's reply? What is his reason for ignoring God's clear command to marry an unbeliever? That is something they were not allowed to do in Scripture. They were not allowed to marry a non-believer. So what was Samson's reasoning? They ask, why are you doing this? What's his reasoning? And Samson said unto his father, get her for me, for she pleases me well. Do you know what that phrase, pleases me well, means? She is right in my eyes. In other words, I know what the Bible says, mom and dad, but I see it differently. This is right. This is good. I think you're wrong. I think this can work out really well. So get her for me. That's it. It's that simple. You know, there are times when I've been with parents as they're trying to help their kids and their kids are in those high-end teenage years or young adults. And I see the kids or the young person standing right there next to me as their parents are weeping and why are, they, why are you doing this? Or, you know, and I'm pleading with them to walk with the Lord. And I see him and they just, they don't care. They want what they want. That's where Samson's at. That attribute, more than anything else, in my opinion, is what I have seen to be the source of a carnal Christian life and the pain and the disappointment that results. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will Ramirez a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at 407-523-0800 during our office hours, Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.